0: You know, we're going to continue to experience God. If you have a copy of the scriptures this morning, paper, digital, whatever you use to interact with God's word, you can go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 as we continue in this series on Hebrews about how Jesus is greater than religion. How many of you are thankful for that? That Jesus is greater than religion. And just to kind of set things up this morning, a couple of weeks ago, we had family come into town. My wife's sister and her family, her kids, they came into town. They wanted to hang out. They wanted to go to the beach. And my sister-in-law, she's got some fears. Like, she's afraid of, like, everything. She's afraid of everything. And so we're like, okay, let's go to the beach. And she's like, there's big waves there, and it's scary. And so we looked online, and we found this place called Bathtub Beach. It's over on the Atlantic coast near where my in-laws live. We said, let's go there. That's popular with family. It's popular with kids. There's not a whole lot of waves. They built this kind of artificial reef out in the water to keep the waves at a minimum. And so uh, we took the kids out there. And you see my son is there on the right. That's my youngest son, Hudson. He's five. And he's sitting there building sand castles and eating sand, because that's what five-year-olds do, eating sand with his little cousin, Sequoia, and she's there playing in the sand. And so I just kind of want to show you uh, that after a little bit of time, My sister-in-law finally worked up enough courage to get into the water. And so I'll just show you, this is where we swam. We swam, we swam right there. We got, she got in about like knee high. And about 30 minutes later, she's in like waist high. And then after a little bit, she started to calm down. We're splashing in the waves, we're having a good time. And then all of a sudden, she's like, wow, this is great. I'm having a great time. And she, hey, is that a dolphin right there? Is that a dolphin? (laughs) Twent no dolphin, church. Straight up, it was a shark swimming. So we swam there. The shark swam right there. All of those fears that she had came crashing back. So she's like grabbing her kids, my kids, other people's kids. And she's like, ah, she's panicking. She's running out of the water. She, and you know what? And come on, guys, back me up on this. I'm standing there still in the water like this. Yeah, that is a shark. What do you know? That is a, That is a shark. And it was so amazing because all this time that we've lived in Florida and different places around Florida, I have never seen a shark. And I just thought it was hysterical that the one day that my sister-in-law finally gets in the water is the day that we see a shark. And I mean, it looked like Jaws, friends. It looked like Jaws. It was probably this big, but it looked like Jaws. So I asked the lifeguard and I said, hey, man, how often does this happen? And he kind of looked around. He goes, look, don't, don't tell anybody I don't want to create fear. This happens every day. And I learned an important lesson that day that I was like, thank you, Jesus, because this is going to be the sermon opener in a couple weeks. And here's the lesson that I learned that sharks swim in the shallow. Sharks swim in the shallow. We have this misconception that I'll be safe if I stay over here. And that even if there's like this wall that's built up, like this artificial reef, I'm safe on this side, the danger is out there. And there's this tendency to wanna stay in the shallow. But can I just encourage you, look, I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert, that God is always in the deep calling us towards himself. So what you think is safe may not be so safe. May not be so safe. If you had a bubble, blown up there about safety. Let me just burst that for you. That what you think is safe may not be so safe. Now, here's the deal. The author of Hebrews has just spent some time trying to encourage these believers who are new to Jesus, who are wrestling with Old Covenant versus New Grace. This old way of doing things, this this old system, these old processes, these old uh, habits, if you will, of how they ought to worship God, and then Jesus steps in the picture, kind of flips everything upside down, so they're trying to balance out old religion versus new grace. And so the author of Hebrews has just spent some time here in chapter 5, just ahead of the text that we're going to talk about, where he's giving this talk about how Jesus is our high priest from the order of Melchizedek. That's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff right there. And I know some of you are like, Melchizedek, say what? What? What's he talking about? See, he's just in this talk about how Jesus is the perfect high priest for us. See, you have to understand that way back in the old covenant, in the first covenant, we live in a new covenant, which we call New Testament living, right? Way back in the first covenant, that you had these two critical pieces at work in your life to help you make connection with God. And those two pieces where you needed a high priest and you needed a sacrifice. See, because sin is an ever-present reality in our life. Sin is that wrongdoing. It's that stain on our soul that separates us from God. And that there's something that has to happen with sin. Folks, friends, listen. Something has to happen with sin in our life. And so under the first covenant, there would be a high priest who was an imperfect man who would go through rituals and routines to be able to place himself in the presence of God and offer a sacrifice. And the sacrifice would be like an animal, and they would have to drain its blood. And and even this animal, it would be the best of the best of animals, but it's still kind of an imperfect sacrifice. And the priest would have to do this every year, constantly routine, bringing this imperfect sacrifice from an imperfect man before a perfect God. And see, God knows that something more is necessary. So enter Jesus into the picture, right? Jesus steps into the picture, and he now takes on this place of being our high priest, our representative to God. Only he's not an imperfect man. He is a perfect man who's gonna stand before God for all of the sins, all of the wrongdoing, all of the crime, all of the shame, all of the pain, all of it, all time, in himself, on the cross, Jesus steps in as the perfect priest, but get this, he's also the sacrifice. He's both. And the author of Hebrews says, he doesn't come from the order of Aaron. See, Aaron's family, Aaron was the brother of Moses, and his family was in charge of the priesthood. But Jesus didn't come from that order, he came from the order of Melchizedek. And very quickly, Melchizedek was this man who predated the law, who was a priest and a king, who would interact with Abraham, And Jesus comes from this order, why is that? Why does he come from this order? Because Melchizedek was a priest and a king. So Jesus, think about this, this is what makes Jesus awesome and superior to anything else on earth, why we lift up the name of Jesus, which is why he is the all-sufficient sacrifice, like we were just singing, is that Jesus is priest, sacrifice, and king, all wrapped in one. And this is the Jesus that we get to call on, friends. This is our Jesus. And that sin isn't just taken before God once a year. It is not only covered over, it is completely removed from our lives. And how many of you know that fuels your worship when you know that the sin that was held against you, all that wrongdoing, all that crime against a holy God is now gone forever because of Jesus. Okay, so the author of Hebrews just does this talk about Jesus as a high priest from the order of Melchizedek. Because what's happening here is the believers in this Hebrews scripture, in this context, who this letter was written to, they're struggling with old religion and new grace. And the tendency is to wanna to stay, sorry about that, I am messing this microphone up like crazy. Forgive me, you have to. That's what we do. We have this tendency to stay and to want to stay in what's familiar and what's comfortable and the safe and the shallow. And what's familiar, what's manageable, what we can wrap our brains around. And we can easily get stuck there. How many of you have ever been stuck? I'm not just talking about like you got your truck tires stuck in the mud, but like there's an area of your life that's been stuck. And you're like, how do I get this unstuck? And listen, the best way to get something unstuck is to make a move somewhere. Make a move somewhere, like anywhere. Just like Do something. Make a move. And this is really kind of a big concept I want us to kind of bite our teeth into this morning. Kind of like that shark, right? A shark was looking for white meat that day. (laughs) Don't know why I said that. Here's the deal. If I don't move somewhere, I won't move anywhere. If I don't move somewhere, I won't grow anywhere. I just want to encourage you this morning. Just make a move. You're feeling stuck in your relationship with God. You're stuck in your finances. You're stuck in your relationship and why it isn't progressing forward. Like, make a move somewhere. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, over the next few moments, is going to highlight an area of your life that is stuck that needs to move somewhere. It's so true in so many areas of our life that where we currently are and where we ought to be is out of alignment. And God wants us to experience all of His fullness, all of His goodness, all of His grace, all of His blessing all of his provision. He wants you to experience all of it. And if we open ourselves up to that, we'll come back into alignment that where we ought to be and where we are will be in the same spot. And see, here's what the author of Hebrews says, and I love this because he's pretty punchy about this. He, I'm assuming he, because we don't know the author. Okay, anyway, Hebrews chapter five, verse 11. He's he's just talking about Jesus as a high priest from the order of Melchizedek. There is much more we want to say about this. There's so much more about... Unpacking the the depth of Jesus being our high priest and sacrifice. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you're dull and you don't listen. (laughs) Look, can I just give you true confessions of a pastor? You know how many times I've sat across the table from somebody and been like head slapping and be like, you know why you're not moving? It's because you're dull and you're not listening. You've been told over and over and over and over again, don't do that. And you're still doing it. And you're scratching your head, like wondering, what's going on? Why isn't God coming through? Because God has told you repeatedly through his word, through his spirit, and through his people to stop doing that, and you're still doing it. Ouch. We've all wanted to say this. Every parent in the house has said this at some point, right? Every parent. You get this, okay? So here is the author of Hebrews parenting through this moment. It's difficult to explain. So we got to talk about movements. Let's talk about movements. Because here's the deal. Movements gain momentum for growth, Movements gain momentum. You say, well, I'm stuck. Okay, if you start moving a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and eventually you got momentum for growth to where God wants you to be. So I want to talk about a couple movements for just a few moments this morning. A couple of movements that I believe that if we put this at work in our life, if we, if we submit ourselves to God's word and we say, God, you can move me. Spirit of God, direct me. These movements are going to change everything about your life. Movement number one is we need to move from milk to meat. We need to move from milk to meat. Now listen, I know all the vegan vegetarians in the house. You're like shaking right now. You're probably shaking because you haven't had bacon in five years. (laughs) So listen, just go with the metaphor for just a few minutes, okay? Move from milk to meat, okay? And then after that, you can uh, go back to your high horse. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, listen, I love... Bacon, every ounce of this I earned on purpose, okay? (laughs) You got to move from milk to meat. Look at Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 through 14. This is going to kind of unpack this thought for just a moment. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others, but you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Wow, thanks, Pastor Thanks, Pastor. That's, that's encouraging. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. The author of Hebrews is saying here, he's like, listen, you should be on step eight of this instruction booklet of this shelf from Ikea, but you're still stuck on step one, scratching your head. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've tried to put these things together and you feel hopeless and lost. And I get it. I've been there. But he's saying where you are and where you ought to be is out of alignment. And I'm here to kind of lovingly through the ministry of the spirit, like, yeah, give you a little, give you a little kick and say, get back into action. We keep going over again and again and again, the basic things. You've had enough time to get your balance on this bike, but you still got the training wheels going on and it's time to like loosen the training wheels up. It's time to take a risk. It's time to step out into the deep. So here's the deal. Going deeper with Jesus is like not optional. It's just not. Under the sound of my voice, whether you're in the house, you're watching online, you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Awesome. Growing is not optional. Going deeper is not optional. See, we tend to struggle with the same thing that the first century church did, where it's like, okay, this is what I understand, this is what I know, this is where I feel safe, and God is out in front of us in the deep and he's calling us deeper. It's not optional. Just like food is not optional. You have to eat. Praise God, I love to eat. And I mean, I tell you what, like the grand champion of all meals, Thanksgiving, right? It's, I count down the days to Thanksgiving. Like I train for it for months. I just chew gum, get my jaw ready, like ready for a big meal, right? But here's the deal. You can't just stop at like Thanksgiving dinner and being like, oh man, I'm stuffed. I can't eat another bite. I guess next Thanksgiving I'll do this again. People talk about, like, hey, don't eat. You're going to ruin your appetite. And that's the thing about an appetite. There's another one coming around. It's coming. Like, food is not optional. You can't just, like, eat once and be like, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. I've arrived. And I've met a lot of followers of Jesus who come at me with this complex of, like, I've been there. I've done that. I paid my dues. I've, I've arrived. I'm just going to sit back and coast. Ooh. Ugh. I wish I had the boldness then that maybe I do now that, yeah. You know, what do you do? And that's why it's a core value here at Arise. I love this. I love the tenacity of this. If you're not growing, you are dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. There's only one direction you can go apathy and complacency in the church has been like a punch in the kidney. If you're not growing, you're dying. The author of Hebrews says, stop going over again the basic things. Say basic things. Basic. basic things. Here's the deal. The basic things aren't bad. Right? I mean, like, the basic things are what saved you. That Jesus is God, and I am not. And, every, and the church said amen right? That Jesus stepped in to do what I couldn't do on a cross that belonged to me. But God in his love, while I was far away from God, he stepped into human history, came towards me, went to my cross, canceled the weight and the penalty of the wrongdoing against me, and now has brought me into his family. God bless you. And has brought me into his family... And now we get to be family with God. We get to be called brothers and sisters, and that's like an old school term, right? But it's so true that we are now found in this amazing family of God. This is what God has done for us. This is the basic stuff. The basic stuff isn't bad, but there's more. There's so, so much more. Basic things are not bad. It's what saved you. And here's the deal. Babies can't eat meat, but an adult can enjoy milk. Right? You can go from milk to meat, and you can still grab a glass of milk. Again, you know, for those who are lactose intolerant, we'll pray for you. We'll have prayer teams here, and God, God will deliver you because ice cream is amazing. But, but a baby can't enjoy meat, but an adult can go on from milk to meat and still can enjoy milk. See, we are designed for complexity. Every married man in here knows you're married to complexity. Every woman in here who's married knows you're married to complexity as well. Why does he smell this way? I don't know, whatever the case may be. We are designed for, I don't know why I said that either. We are designed for complexity. We're designed to eat complex things. I love complex foods. We were just talking uh, uh, back before service about these amazing diners and we love diner food and I love the complexity and the nuance of different types of breakfast and, and that's what we're built for. We're built for complexity. See, you need the basic things. That's the starting point. That's the place that you begin. That's the place where your training wheels are on. But we're designed for complexity. We're designed to eat something deeper and more complex. Because see, if you give a baby solid food too fast, it can be dangerous. Like we fully expect when people come and give their lives to Jesus, they don't have a whole lot to work with. They're just working with the grace that God has given them. There's going to be messages to be made. We we get that. We give allowance for that. We give grace for that. We want that. God's grace is for everybody. We love that. But if that's been you for like nine years, it's time to grow. See, babies don't have the the muscles. They don't have the teeth to to take in meat. And I tell you what, you want like a, a creepy homework assignment, Google babies with teeth. Ooh, that is, it's freaky. It's out there. It's happened. If you had a baby with teeth, I'm sorry. That was freaky. But like, it happens. It's rare. But babies don't have the the teeth, the muscles, and and the nuance to be able to handle that. See, like with our kids, we knew that when they were younger, that we had to like give them a bottle. But not only that, we had to hold them and hold the bottle. They were incapable of doing this, but as they grew and they developed muscles and they could hold it on their own, and then they went from milk to like baby food and baby food to like real food, and they could use a fork without poking themselves in the eye. You know, you trust them a little bit over time, and eventually they're ready for the meat. There's this progression. You have to have that. They can't stay like that forever. They must grow. But see, here's the deal. We don't go from milk to meat with one decision, but with millions of movements. We don't grow from milk to meat with one decision, but millions of movements. You say, Pastor Pete, what does that look like? What do these millions of movements look like? It looks like showing up for restoration room. It looks like being part of a group. It looks like being consistent in your giving. And look, I'm not preaching anything that hasn't been preached to me. It's millions of decisions that every day I'm going to sacrifice myself to the Lord so that he is lifted up, so that it's less of me and it's more of him. It's, it's, it's millions of these little movements that work in our life that get us to the place of momentum where we start to see God do incredible things, where we take on faith, we take on risk, we make a move, and we see God come through faithful. And you guys know, if you've seen God answer one prayer, that helps fuel your faith for the next time you pray for somebody else, right? Like, I've seen him do it before. I'll see him do it again. It's these millions of movements. So I guess the question is, what movement do I need to make? What movement do I need to make? And now I get it. There's going to be some people here. You say, oh, man, I've been serving Jesus my whole life. I'm, I'm 83 years old. I don't have any more movements to make. Look, there is an infinite, transcendent God of the universe who we love and serve. He is the creator of all things. There is always something new for you. There is always something new. Because here's the deal. If you live a Sunday-only existence in your walk with Jesus, you will starve yourself. You will starve yourself. We are not designed to be Sunday-only kind of believers. So I would just submit to you this, that Sunday strengthens you, serving challenges you, giving stretches you, and groups grow you. I'll just say that a little louder for the people in the back who were just starting to get out their pen for that because that was so good. Sunday strengthens you. Serving challenges you. Giving stretches you. And your groups will grow you. So you say, man, I'm feeling stuck in in these areas of my life. I would just ask, what does your involvement with Jesus look like? What's your involvement with his church? What's your involvement with his spirit? What does that look like? That might be the starting point for you today to gain momentum in your life. That might be the movement you need to make is that in the next round of groups, man, I'm going to sign up. It might mean tonight I'm going to show up for restoration room. I'm going to spend some time in the presence of God. You know what's amazing is when we block out time to be with God, you know what God does? He meets us. It's like elementary, right? When we carve out special time to meet with God, isn't it amazing God meets with us? So fantastic. What movement do I need to make? Here's why staying stuck on milk can cause some problems. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Let's continue on the text. This is great. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Ooh, there's two critical words here. Who through training have the skill. Training, have the skill. There's been some research done, uh, it's been promoted in different places that it takes about 10,000 hours of practice at any given thing to become an expert of something. Which kind of makes you laugh a little bit because they give you a driver's license when you've only driven for like 20 hours. Well you are now a professional driver in the state of Florida after driving this many hours. It takes 10,000 hours to become proficient at something. And it's, it's all this time. It's all these movements. It's all these decisions. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to be in a place of, of training and to develop the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong so that I can mature in my relationship with God. And here's the deal. If there is a time for the church to be mobilized into a place of training and skill to understand what does the voice of God sound like? How do I hear from God? How do I spend time with God? How do I fast? How do I pray? and all these other disciplines that we can put at place in our life to get the most out of our relationship with God, to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Because, friends, I don't know if you've noticed, we're living in a time right now where what is absolutely wrong is being held up as brave and brilliant and right. And the things that are brave, brilliant, right, and godly are being pushed down and called hate. And, you know, what's happening? And the sad part is you see this in so many people in the church I'm using air quotes here. I'm bringing that back. In the church, who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but through their Facebook profile and through what they post on Instagram, you're like scratching your head a little bit. And not that you want to be judgmental or religious, but just in the concept of basic right and wrong. There's been no training. There's been no skill to look at God's word, to spend time with God, and to get God's thoughts on what's happening in today's reality. Training and skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Because here's the deal. I can recognize through training and skill the difference between macaroni and cheese and cacho de pepe. I can tell the difference. Why? I love mac and cheese. Don't get me wrong. I love a good box of mac and cheese. I'll take it all day. But I like that finer pasta as well. Through training and skill, I can recognize the difference between filet mignon and bologna. Doesn't mean I don't eat bologna, but I can tell the difference. And part of what hurts my heart sometimes is when I see followers of Jesus and they can't tell the difference between mac and cheese and bologna and the finer things of God. God has more. That's the amazing part. God always has more. There's immature believers and there's mature believers. Real quickly, let's just kind of look at immature believers and mature believers. What are the differences between those? An immature, maybe we'll call them babies for just a second, because the author of Hebrews does. A baby cannot feed themselves. They, they don't even know where to get food, they don't know how to prepare food, they don't. We have to provide that. A growing, maturing follower of Jesus can handle the fork and start feeding themselves. They can open God's word, they can interact in prayer. They've got the basic tools necessary to meet with God. And if you get that, that's going to catapult your momentum in your relationship with God. A baby needs to be carried around. Growing Christians can walk straight. A baby will make smelly messes for others. And someone who's growing will serve others selflessly. You know, I get it because I was there too. In multiple areas of my life where I felt stuck, God was saying in a loving way, you're a baby in this area and you must be maturing, you must be growing. That is not a voice of condemnation. That is God saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. If I don't move somewhere, I won't grow anywhere. We must move from milk to meat. Let's go through one more movement here, is move from data to devotion move from data to devotion. I tell you, one of the best parts of being a follower of Jesus, there is never a lack of things to study about God's creation, about people, about the atmosphere, the the skies, the stars. There's never a lack of things to study. But no matter what, there's always more. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, is what the author says. Let us stop going over the basic things. Again, those are more of the shallow things, again, that are not bad. But there is a point where we need to stop going over that and go a little bit deeper about Christ again and again and again and again and again. Let us go on instead to become mature. Let us go on to become deeper in, in the richness of our understanding of God and His grace. There's a temptation, I'm afraid, to want to gain knowledge of God at the expense of connection with God. To gain knowledge of God at the expense of growing closer to God in relationship and in connection. I've met a lot of people who, man, data is what drove them to the feet of Jesus. They studied the cosmos and they go, there can only be an infinite transcendent creator who made all of this. And through that data, God used that to bring them closer to himself. But God isn't just, isn't just wanting you to understand information about him, he wants you to actually know him. That's the purpose of the cross, is to go from data to devotion to relationship with God. So I would just say this, don't push for deeper knowledge, push for deeper connection. Don't push for deeper knowledge. That's not bad. We're not knocking that at all. We're not saying don't know things. Know things. But like there's some people who just want to hide out in a cave and study what like the third toe on the left foot of the beast of revelation could possibly mean. And like, okay, I guess you could use that for something. I don't know what. But they just, that's all, they, they want to camp out in data. And they're like, okay, there's more. There's a connection to God where he lives inside of us. He right. makes his home in our heart and he starts renovating and cleaning and, and he, he, he fills us with his spirit. There's so much more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's beyond data. Good. It's connection. See, here's what I believe. Out of our relationship with God, the data will come. Amen. Out of our relationship, and here's why I, I think this way, okay? Just, you know, if I will. I've been married for 13 years. Thank you, Jesus. My wife is awesome. She's incredible. And the more I spend time with her, the more I realize I have so much to learn about you. Like I was saying earlier, you're a complex creature, and I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated at the fact that she changes her order at Starbucks every month. Like. She's just like, I want to try something new. I'm constant, She's constantly trying new stuff. I've, I'm amazed, I think that's awesome. The more time I spend with her, I just, I want to know more. But like, what if we weren't married, and I wanted to know more? That would make me a stalker. <laughs> right? Right, I mean, think about that for just a second. Like, what if I spent, instead of 13 years of being married to her, and out of our connection in marriage, I gained all this knowledge, what if I just like, wasn't married, and like, maybe she didn't even know me, but I spent 13 years knowing everything about her? That makes me a stalker, right? That makes me a stalker. See, here's the deal. Knowledge minus connection equals stalker. Wow. Knowledge minus connection equals stalker. And here's the thing. A stalker knows a lot about you, but they don't know you and some of you have been stalking Jesus for a long time and listen you're listen i just talked to the lord this morning you're kind of creeping him out you know a lot about jesus you know a lot about that beast in the toe in revelation you know all this data and knowledge and theology and you know all this stuff, but the connection isn't there. It never made the journey from here down to here. And God is saying, I don't just want what you know. I want who you are. I want everything about you. I want everything about you. So what would it look like in your life if what you knew about God grew at the same level as your connection with God? What would that look like? If the things that you knew about God your knowledge, your intellect, and the data, and the interesting theology, and things like that, that's all good stuff. Like, what if that grew at the same rate as your connection with God? Can I just submit to you this, that connection plus knowledge is devotion. Connection plus knowledge is devotion. Good. Connection plus knowledge. If I don't move somewhere, I won't grow anywhere. And I just believe God and his creativity has created this moment for each and every one of us. In fact, I believe there's not one of us that's exempt from this message, myself included. God, push me deeper, not just into knowledge, but deeper into connection. But you know what? So often right now, the enemy is going to want to walk in and he's going to want to steal what God is doing in your heart. Because there's a tendency in our flesh to say, oh, yeah, that, that's, not me. that's it's definitely, it's, it's not me. It's definitely him. It's definitely her. It's not, it's not me. And we make these excuses for not wanting to go deeper. And some of these excuses are like just being too lazy. I'm just too lazy. It's nice to be a baby and carried around and fed. And if I make a mess, somebody else will clean that up. We have pastors that will take care of that. If I don't watch my mouth if I don't watch what I do I've got people who will cover me and they'll take care of that it's nice being carried around it's nice being fed it's nice being bottle-fed and you know what like it's time to grow up I love you it's time to grow up this idea of too lazy looks something like this a couple months ago uh, I was sitting in a room uh, with other pastors and they were telling me that somebody in their church uh, due to COVID stopped going to church But now it's just way too convenient to go to the ski resort on the weekends and watch online by myself. It's it's convenient. I'm not arguing with, with the convenience of it, but it's lazy. It's lazy. And they said, Pastor Pete, what can we do for them? And I said, that's easy. You pray for them. They're like, what else? Nothing. They have to make a movement. They're just being too lazy. Another excuse is I'm too afraid. This is probably the category I fall into, if I'm just being honest with you, too afraid. Taking a step equals taking a risk. And if I take a risk, I might fall. And you guys know this, if you've ever taught little children how to, how to walk, you know, there's this risk and they have to work through. Uh, if I stand up, I'm, I might fall and that might hurt. And... too afraid. Fear is paralyzing me. Fear is stopping me right where I am to take a step into the deep where God is calling me forward. This fear can be so overcoming and and I love the fact we just sang break every chain and we're we're talking about there's power in the name of Jesus and recognizing that and sometimes God is going to call you to do things. They're going to shake you up a little bit and it's risky and it's okay but God will come through. He won't lead you to it if he won't see you through it, right? And that's how our faith grows. Faith grows in the environment of risk. And today somebody just needs to take a risk. For some of you that risk is You know what? God has brought me to this place. You know what? I have never made a confession of faith in the Lord Jesus. I've been living my own life as if I am God, and I've got it all figured out. And you know what? I don't have it all figured out. Jesus is my high priest. Jesus is my sacrifice. I can't sacrifice enough things. I can't help enough old ladies across the street. I can't give enough money to all of these charities to ever earn favor with God. But God knew that, and in Jesus, he will make me right with God. Maybe that's the risk. And then for others, it's pride. I'm too proud. Too lazy, too afraid, too proud. And this one can be hard too. I can do it myself. If you have a child with an independent spirit, I got one of those, right? I don't need your help, I can do this myself. Okay, give it a shot. Let me know how that turns out. And pride sometimes will cause you to face plant, and God in his grace will pick you back up again. Let your pride fall before the Lord. Take a step out into the deep. You've heard this before. No risk, no no pain, no no test, no testimony. What risk do you need to take today that's going to strengthen your faith and honor Jesus? God is in the deep and he's calling out to you. What would it look like? I just wonder about that. What would it look like if 10% of us intentionally moved closer to God in the deep? What if 10% of this room just made a declaration of faith today that where I am no matter how good that might be I have to move deeper into faith with Jesus I have to move deeper into not just data but devotion what would it look like at a Rice Church I get excited when I think about that when people feel mobilized by God's spirit to do something great in the kingdom I love it I love it what would that look like